Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With lockdown limitations continually adjusting and the summer now looking us beautifully in the eye, we continue with regular discussions about our respective horticultural worlds. Putting the pandemic's grip on us aside, we sincerely hope that you found enough moments to quietly contemplate, distract yourself, gaze in wonder and generally pour positive and fruitful energy into this most glorious and rewarding of hobbies, which, for Saul and myself, we are lucky enough to also call our profession. Restrictions are still with us, experiences are still unprecedented, but Lucy and I hope that by providing you with a continued shortened version of this podcast every few days, you can easily fit a small dose of horticultural musings into your routine. We will, of course, still bring you longer bonus episodes too, when we chat to inspirational peers on more in-depth gardening topics. So fire up the kettle, get comfortable in your favourite chair and join us now for a 20-minute escape into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello, Mr Walker. It's lovely to see you. It's also a glorious evening here in Fingringho. The sun is streaming through my lounge window. I believe the sun is going to continue streaming for the, the next few days. It's going to get warm, isn't it? It's been a it's been a lovely day today down in the West Country in, in that sort mm. of Goldilocks zone of temperatures where it's not too cold and not too warm. Nice, gentle breeze coming off the sea. It's a really lovely day to be in the garden, actually. But um, yeah, I think we're going, mm. well, especially you guys in the southeast are going to be sweltering by Thursday. Thank you. <laughs> That's lovely. I can't wait. Um, I must admit, I, I, I do find working when it's in the 30s, which is what's predicted for Essex in the next uh, couple of days. I think it's Thursday, isn't it? We're going to get the really high temperatures. Um I do find that actually quite difficult. I think it's lovely to be laying in your garden on your sun lounger with your pina colada. That's absolutely fine for those sorts of temperatures. But when you're actually trying to do physical work and, yeah, you know, we've still got quite a lot of physical jobs to do in the garden. It doesn't stop. Um, It can be a little bit tricky. And what I will most probably do in the summer when it gets really hot i will i will work early in the morning i'll start earlier than usual we normally start at eight so it might be seven or even six if i can muster the energy to get there for six work through till 10 or 11 and then have a long lunch time uh when i do sit in my sun lounger at home <laughs> not with the pina colada and then, and then i'll go back to work in the afternoon and maybe keep going till six i do i have sometimes worked till seven or eight but i i don't like to, to do that very much because even though I've had a long lunchtime I still feel like my evening's being cheated from me so um I yeah it, it will be that kind of setup for me if it does get very warm at Donald Hall and it does do we have um some really high red brick walls there that absorb the heat like like an oven and you're standing against a south mm. or west facing wall and especially if you do that in the afternoon it can be i mean i don't know what the temperatures would be there but it feels like it's in the high 30s going into the 40s it's very unpleasant and then you start to feel sick you know you it's it's your heart's thumping it's not good you you cannot work in those sorts of conditions so we we just don't do it yeah so. we're we're lucky at stonelands and we've got about 3 or 4 acres of quite large veteran trees and, you know, it's it's absolutely true what they say. The temperature can be quite hot, but under a tree, it can be something like 10 degrees difference. So generally, I try and schedule a lot of our work to be in the woodlands, whether it's strimming or, you know, um, planting trees or something like that. When it's really hot, mm. get in the woodlands and it's, and, it's, and it's quite nice. That's what I should do. I should just not worry about the kitchen garden. I'll say to the owner, do you know what? 
those peas I should have sown? No, I'm going to go streaming the bluebells down. That's what I need to do just for my for my own health. And he'll understand. He really, really will, I'm sure. <laughs> talk, talk about peas. I hear you've got a new favourite potato or potentially a new favourite potato. Well, yeah, to be, to be fair, we have. It is... Um, an abundant time in the kitchen garden and at home as well as at the hall I, I do grow an awful lot of stuff and every year we grow our benchmark potato which for the last 10 years has been lady crystal a delicious uh early potato it's the if you get it the size of a bantam's egg it's it's really melt in the mouth um just such a sweet melting flesh which is all you want from a new potato to be honest lots of butter salt and pepper job done but i will also be trying every year a few different varieties and right. last year we tried jazzy a few tubers of jazzy we've now installed a good two rows of jazzy this year because that's really tasty and um we've also got anya uh which is going to be more for a late season waxy salad we really like anya we've actually lifted some of the roots of that and it's it's already bulking up but the one that might knock lady crystal off the top spot is one called inca bella and Ooh. it is really really nice really i just can't emphasize enough how delicious it is it's got this melting flesh it's sweet and nutty it's got a it's like a, it's a waxy potato but it's it's the the melting texture of it is just phenomenal and the sweetness especially when you can lift it and eat it within you know 20 minutes of it, of it being grown in the garden very very impressed with it so yeah lady crystal watch yourself yeah just stick it in some boiling water a bit of butter that's the way you should have your new first potatoes. I Delicious think so. Thing. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Just nice and simple, straightforward. Yeah. See, we do. I do grow a fair amount of veg. I, I'm never going to compare myself with Lucy, the queen of veg. Well, you you can. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, you wow. do. I've seen the garden. It's lovely. Thank you very much. But you know, but the one thing, the one thing I do agree with, and I, I take the other end of the whole arrangement, in that I love eating. <laughs> All of it. It, it. You'd never tell looking at me that I'm quite of a fan of my food. No. Nope. And um, tonight we discovered something new. We discovered the roasted radish. Yeah. Now this, eh? this blew my mind because we do always have a little chat before we press the record button about what we're going to, this is actually planned. We do actually know what we're going to talk about before we start. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, would you? But um, roasted radish, when you told me you'd, you'd had those tonight, I was like, really? How, how does that work? So explain to everyone what, what you've, what your experience was tonight well um you know you, you can get the winter roasted veg classic parsnips carrots potatoes a bit of olive oil salt and pepper mm. mix it all together put it in the oven you get this lovely unctuous loveliness out well you can do the same but with a summer mix uh, or medley of vegetables so again potatoes your new potatoes but also spring onions uh and radishes and peas as well so but the radishes were an absolute revelation because i do eat radishes i'm not the biggest fan of a radish i feel, find them a bit i don't know i think it's the texture i don't like but when you roast them they sort of melt you know they get soft and then you get those sort of crispy caramelized bits along the edge they were delicious wow well like i say you've you've you sound so enthusiastic about it that i do have to give that a try i have the only the most fancy thing i've ever done with a radish is i've fermented them with fennel because um ian my husband had some stomach problems and i knew that fermenting foods was good for your gut flora and so we had a little stab at that and they were very very tasty um so i can recommend doing that but i would never have ever thought about roasting a radish so there you go 
going to give it a try. Yeah, give it a go. Give it a go. And it might even put radishes back on my regular growing list because they're a great catch crop, I know, especially when you've got a little bit of ground and you just want to grow something quickly. But mm. to be honest, I grow, I used to do that and then you get hundreds of radishes and you sit looking at them, sitting in the fridge and you think, I don't really want a radish. <laughs> but now I might just roast them up with the potatoes. Delicious. Yeah, yeah. radishes, Delicious. watch out. You're not safe anymore. Anyway, it's it's June, isn't it? And that is the most abundant time in the garden. It is a beautiful month to be outdoors. And uh, it's sort of the central bit of the year in some ways for us gardeners, mm. not just because the solstice was at the weekend, so the it light was. is at its longest, yeah. which is great because I can garden at Stonelands and I can come home and I can do my busman's holiday bit and garden for a few more hours outside which is quite nice at this time of year but it's also sort of that peak period of growth so for us it's sort of professional gardens it sort of starts end of february into march builds up slowly and then suddenly it has this big peak of growth in june where most of the herbaceous borders vegetables are growing away you know all this greenery is happening and then it'll just slowly descend and languish into a hopefully what will be an indian summer through september and back into the next winter but one of the things that we find as uh professional gardeners is june can be pretty hectic there's a lot to do isn't there there is, there really is, especially if the weather is is hot and dry, which it is may may well be. You've got the watering, but then you've got so many other things to do, as well. And I, I think that any garden professional, amateur, novice, newbie experience can sometimes find this time of year to be a little bit demotivating. Not in all areas of the garden, but you sometimes get patches where you look and you think, "Oh, that has run away from me." I I feel like I've got to now look at this patch of ground that's going to remind me that I've failed here and this plant's going to stare at me looking like it's not been tied in or not pruned properly or I've missed a window to do the weeding or whatever it might be. And we wanted to try to re-motivate people. If anyone's feeling at all a little bit like run ragged in the garden thinking, oh, I just haven't got around to doing that job, you can you can pull it back. And I think that's the message we want to get across in tonight's podcast, that horticulturally, plants actually can be quite forgiving. And as I said, we're, we're, we want to be honest. We, you know, we don't want to portray ourselves as these professional gardeners who do nothing wrong. We're, 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 you know, we're human beings at the end of the day. Things do run away from us. We make mistakes or we, you know, I was saying I've hurt my back. I haven't been able to get to the garden as much as I'd like to. So things have definitely run away in certain places. And there's only so much you can do. So we are going to confess our sins tonight and say where things have gone wrong but we're also then we can remedy them and get them back again because that's the important thing we all have things slip away from us but it's what you do about them and how you can just get back in control of the garden Mm. i think the first thing to realize is that you can get back in control i think Mm. lots of people especially with new plots or if you're if you're brand new to gardening this year due to the lockdown and you and you're giving it a go but you feel like oh everything especially weeds can be growing at such a rate and could just be over you know um if you've got an allotment it could just be a mass of weeds at the moment or something like that and Mm. and that can have that like you say that demotivating effect but you the key is is to think well right i've just got to get on I've just got to get on with something yes. to get it, you know, start. It's, it, you know, it's quite obvious. It's, you know, these, these things are life lessons. Just start somewhere 
and then work from that point and you'll slowly and surely see a change in in, in your plot and then you'll feel a bit less like a bit less daunted yeah it, it's also it's also worth noting that even as professional gardeners we never we have great intentions. Lucy has a list. I have a big list in my head of what needs doing. We never, ever, I'd say I probably get around to 70 to 80% of it. So there's mm. always going to be a 10 to 20% that you really are never going to get to. Yeah. And you, you just got to learn that, that that comes with experience years after years. Um, you're not, you're never really going to get everything done. So yeah. sometimes you just got to say, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get that done. I'll have to leave that either to later in the year or maybe even till next it's, year. It's, if, if you were, I was, no, I was going to just I, I say that you and I, I think, I think there's a, certain parts of our personalities that are the perfectionist, and mm. that's that is something that um, is a good attribute to have because it drives you and pushes you to um, improve yourself. But at the same time, in the garden, if you're continually a perfectionist and you try to make everything the the cherry on the icing on the top of the, this massive cake it's it's difficult to do and you do have to just let certain things go and uh, that's what we're saying you know you can let certain things go but also if you feel like it's getting you down you can grab the reins again and get back in that driving seat and take control so yeah a- absolutely and, and i think the the thing is is to identify your priorities in some ways exact f- mm. find out what it is that can make probably an instant effect and i think the one thing at this time of year that can make a really big effect is to get on top of those uh those weeds isn't it it's the weeds uh, it, yeah it is the weeds there's patches all over the garden i know that i've been focusing heavily on our herbaceous border and our veg garden at Stonelands just because uh well the owners have, have now been there permanently for four months that's the first time in my period there so I'm getting used to that but um for them the herbaceous borders which are around the house and the veg garden are probably the most important things but that does mean that the woodland beds have been getting a little less attention and I have a big big bindweed problem in in those beds and uh yes it it looks a bit like um a, a rainforest of bindweed but what I know is that I'm going to be starting that this week so mm. it's it's really worth and the thing with bindweed is a lot of people tell you that you have to get um, the, the root out. You have to kill off the whole plant to stop it. Well, at this time of year, there's just too much of it for me to be going over it surgically. And it's the same for a lot of weeds. So one thing that is really good at this time of year is just to try and get as much of the top growth off as you can. Now, whether that's from just pulling it or hoeing or just literally very quickly trying to get over a... a, a um, a strip of land and trying to get off as much of that top growth because okay things will grow back those perennial weeds where the roots are still in will grow back but you'll be surprised how much by just continually pulling off the green growth you are you're sort of you're having a detrimental effect to that plant's growth patterns they will slowly put on less and less growth and you can slowly reel it back and get back in in charge of your borders yeah yeah and like you said just from an aesthetics point of view which actually that that kind of like gut feeling that you get from your garden if you're looking on a bed and it's smothered in bindweed and it's weighing all the plants down it makes your heart sink if you look at that bed and you've worked maybe for an hour two hours on it and as you say you've literally all you've done is got rid of the top row you know the roots are still there and that plant will 
come back. But what you've done is you've bought yourself some time. And also, you, as you say, aesthetically, which is at the end of the day, what we want out of our gardens, our ornamental borders, aesthetically, it's doing its job. And it's just something that, like you say, in an ideal world, yeah, you would spray it all and, and it would it would die back down. But for the moment, you're, what you're trying to do is just turn that tide. And that's what that's what you're, you're doing there. I, I've had a couple of um, areas in the kitchen garden that have really, really run away from me. As I say, I haven't been able to put the hours in as much. And I'd sown quite a while ago now, probably about a month ago, a whole load of um, seedlings direct. So I'd sown things like beetroot, fennel, I'd sown some scorzonera, uh, some annual spinach, carrots, parsnips, and the germination was, was looking really, really good. But then the weeds were coming through and I had left them for maybe, oh gosh, a good two weeks longer than I should have done and all you could see when you looked at this bed was weeds fat hen chickweed dead nettle that kind of thing it was all in there shepherd's purse all sorts of stuff and in the first instance if you were looking at that bed with 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 new eyes you wouldn't have been able to see a vegetable seedling in there whatsoever (laughs) and so as you say, little bite-sized chunks. I I just sat there. I actually I did. Um, I plugged my ears in on my phone. I just listened to some music, and I sat there. It was a nice warm day, on Manila, and I just systematically worked through each of the rows. I found the beetroot again. I found the spinach. Found the the fennel. Those seedlings there were amazingly resilient, and they look absolutely fine. It didn't actually impair their growth whatsoever. And you know sometimes when you think, oh, that germination's been really poor, I'm going to scrap that whole row. We've all had to do that. But I could see that actually the seedlings were still really healthy and robust. So the whole bed now is completely weed-free. Instead of looking at it and my heart goes, Ugh, it goes, wow, fantastic. I know that we've actually you know, put some time into to bring that bed around. We haven't scrapped it and haven't actually lost crucially any time. That's the thing. I haven't had to sew again. Those the beet the beetroot are already bulking up really really nicely as is the fennel, um, so yeah it it can be done and I have to also confess this is um this is weed confessions of a head gardener now this is what this episode's <laughs> turned into I had a row of peas that um I'd not pea sticked I temporarily put some netting over the top of them because they hadn't got to the point of needing pea sticking but again in this last fortnight when I hadn't been able to get to the garden much I could see under that that sort of like netting that they were bulging up and I thought I need to get round to those soon I really do I only managed to do that um last week on the Friday and I uncovered them and I could see so many weeds but in there were the peas and they were flowering and that actually got pods on and so once I got rid of the weeds I've left with a beautiful row of peas and they're almost a cropping stage and they haven't, again, been impacted by the weed growth whatsoever. So. Yeah, it's also worth um, sort of thinking about the kind of things you can actually cut back on as well. Um, th- mm. th- one of the... the- one of the key things you could be doing this time of year is actually cut back on your mowing in in some ways. I know that for the last month, actually, I've been able to get away with a two-week mowing schedule. So Some years I'll have to do it every, every, every week, but this, luckily this year, I've managed to keep it to two weeks, and that gives you loads of times. And, and it's the stuff like uh, maybe uh, hedge trimming, if you're doing your hedge trimming now. There are certain things that you can sort of 
cut out of your of your work mm. if you really need to go and spend some time focusing on some other areas so you know it's worth looking around and prioritizing some things especially those things that you haven't given an eye to and just give them like you say it doesn't have to be a, a deep clean or uh, or you know a, a huge amount of work just an hour or two spent just tying up a, a bit of rose or maybe just deadheading something you'll be surprised what how much you can make like you said the area looking so much nicer with with an uh, with an hour's work I, I i have this term with my trainees where i call it making it eyeable so if you if you stand <laughs> back if you say you're a visitor and you just stand back from the bed or the veg garden or wherever it is and you look at it and you think oh that looks fine <laughs> then it is mm. fine I think, like you're saying, with head gardeners, we're so intrinsically linked and and want it to look perfect that we'll see every single little detail that we think is wrong. But actually, if we can stand back and put our... Uh, put ourselves in the shoes of just someone who's visiting and and make it look eyeable, then actually that's all that really needs to be done at this time of year in some ways. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Like you say, it's um, don't feel daunted. If you feel like you need to, you can crack on and you can renovate an area and bring it back, then please do so. Um, And like you say, maybe switch off the perfectionist just for the moment and um, get back to, to, to loving those areas of the garden that you can. So that concludes today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and would love any feedback or reviews you feel compelled to give us via your preferred podcast provider or social media platform. Life in the garden and out of it continually evolves for all of us. There is now reference to a new kind of normal and we are excited to hope that this will bring opportunities to visit gardens, friends and colleagues old and new so we can gradually adjust from virtual to actual worlds. Specialist nurseries, gardening charities, small businesses and self-employed individuals will still rely on us for financial support and encouragement over the coming weeks and months. We hope everyone in this profession is digging deep and finding ways to flourish. We are continually thinking of you all. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.